Hey everyone, welcome, glad you're joining us. You know, there's an old joke that goes, I am so awesome and perfect, I only have four flaws. One, I lack humility. B, I'm inconsistent. And finally, I can't count. So, I don't know if you're inconsistent or you can count or not, but I wonder how you're doing with humility. We live in a highly contentious time, don't we, where everyone is just spewing so much contempt and smugness. Everyone demands to be heard. And so we're talking about how important it is to get at the separation of church and hate. And in the middle of that, we're recognizing how important it is to commit ourselves to some postures and some practices that really line up with the ways of Christ, because Christians uh, are way too often being sucked right into the age of outrage, and it's, it's damaging our souls, it's bad for our country, and it's ruining the witness of Christ. And so this is really important stuff that we get this right, these postures and practices. Maybe you remember what they are. If you're serious about following Christ, then these rooted in Scripture postures and practices are going to be part of our life. Number one, we're going to remember your identity. Remember who you are. If you're a Christ follower, act like it. Number two, behave with civility because kindness is close to holiness and we've got to learn how to disagree without being so hateful. And then third, demonstrate humility. So we look more like the one we say we follow, Jesus. And then fourth, strive for unity because there's so much division at stake. And number five, be known for Charity. That's a fancy word for love. Today, we want to think a little bit about demonstrating humility and how important that is. This would be, this may be one of the most difficult ones to do. It might be one of the most important as well. And it's probably one of the truest indicators of how much Christ is truly shaping your life. Doesn't it seem like everybody kind of believes three things? One, my political opinions are based on good intentions, and I'm a loving person. Number two, my opinions are logical, proven, factual, clear, and obvious. And number three, anyone who disagrees with me is not only wrong, they're stupid. Everybody seems to agree with those three things. You know, Edward Gilbreth is onto something when he suggests that political bigotry is kind of like America's new racism. We still have color lines that are intense along black and white and other ethnicities, but now he says they're seemingly just as intense along red and blue lines, Republicans and Democrats. How, how, how do we think about and act toward other people when we just think they just don't get it? How could they be so stupid? So let's think for a little bit. If anyone had a right to roll their eyes and say, oh man, they just don't get it. If anyone ha had a right or the ability to say, I actually am right and you're wrong. If anyone had the ability to sort of power up and say, just get in line with my way or the highway, it was Jesus, right? He could have said all those things. And yet, when you look at the model of his life and his ministry, what do you find? What you find is this amazing demonstration of humility. And with that being the case, it's good for us to remember 1 Peter 2, which says, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering sometimes, just like Christ suffered for you. And then it says this, 
He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. If you want to be a Christian, it's what you signed up for. That's what follower of Christ means. You must follow in his steps. And when you do, well, then you've got an invitation to remember your identity and to demonstrate humility. So what do those steps of Jesus look like? Think about it just for a minute. I could give a hundred examples. We'll pick a few. Um, Philippians chapter two is where it reminds us that Jesus, you know, lowered himself from the glories of heaven in relationship with the Father and the Spirit to put aside his rights and his power and his privileges in order to come down among us as a human being and to suffer and to sacrifice even to the death because that's what love does. He wasn't always about winning. He wasn't always about moving up on the world's terms. He wasn't always about holding his position. He let all that go and you must follow in his steps. Or John chapter 13 shows us a picture of Jesus sitting down to eat what we now call the Last Supper with his friends. And these guys, he knows, are all going to hurt him. They're going to abandon him. They're going to betray him. They said they were on his side and they weren't. They're going to run away at his hour of greatest need. And knowing that the creator of the universe in the flesh, Jesus, bends down and picks up a servant's towel and makes his way around and washes dirty fishermen feet. Because these undeserving friends were the objects of his love. And he was more about God's mission than he was about having his own hurt feelings. Jesus loved undeserving friends who hurt him. And you must follow in his steps. Or Mark chapter 10. You got a bunch of disciples of Jesus and they get into a shouting match about who's right. Who's, who's most important. And they're trying to win this argument. And in the middle of this heated moment, Jesus comes in and says, no, 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 no. I would expect that kind of behavior among like some political leaders or religious leaders who don't even know God. I would expect that, but not so with you. You're supposed to be different. He says, if you really want to be great and first place, then serve everybody. He says, even I, the son of man, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you, if you want to follow in the steps of Jesus, are going to have to figure out how to do that too. There's so much we could say about Jesus and his demonstration of humility, but I think first, it might be wise to just pause and remind ourselves, humility is often misunderstood. It gets a bad rap. A lot of people mistake humility for a kind of weakness. They, they think it, it means being a doormat or letting people walk all over you. That's not humility. Humility is actually a lot harder than that. For the Christian, humility is comes out of a place of being so filled up with Christ, so assured of who you are, that your identity is, is solid, so that you're not desperately trying to prove something to everyone all the time. When you humble yourself, you don't have to defend yourself so anxiously. You don't, you don't, you know, get offended so easily because you know who you are in Christ. It gives you a strength, and out of that strength, then you can enter calmly and confidently, courageously into discussion, even debate 
without having to pull an Alexander Hamilton, why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Because humility says, I don't have to be because I know who I am in Christ. Jesus lived in an age of outrage as well. And yet it was his identity. He knew who he was that allowed him to enter into hostility and still show humility. Are you able to do that? When everything is hostile, can you still be humble? We're talking about this identity flowing into how we act. And we said, you know, there's some things, if we're going to be um, followers of Christ, there's a gut check. One, we've got to walk according to the ways of Jesus, follow in his steps. We've got to live according to the will of the Spirit and then obey according to the Word of God. So let's be honest. When you talk about humility, there's not a lot of humility going on out there these days. Uh, and, And even ourselves, let's be honest, we struggle a lot of times because we've got reasons for arriving at the opinions and the positions we do, don't we? We do. But but being humble doesn't mean you have to abandon all your positions. It means you hold them loosely, though, granting the possibility that others might also have some good reasons for landing where they have. That's what humility looks like. Without humility, you simply can't imagine anyone's perspective but your own. And so you just go through the world that way. And so when someone says something like, it's just so obvious, how can anyone not see this? There's a lack of humility there. Humility is connected to wisdom. When we insist that others view the world as we do, it just shows that we don't know as much about the world as we think we do. When we insist that there's only one way forward, and it just so happens to be my path. When we're unswervingly convinced that if everyone would come around to my point of view, the whole world wouldn't be so screwed up. Well, we may be right, but that attitude conveys a lack of humility in the way we communicate it. When we declare, as Christ followers, how can you hold that position? How could you even think about voting for that candidate and call yourself a Christian? Now, listen, with all due respect, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings or stir anything up here. Because I totally understand those statements. I've thought them, said them myself. But as Christians, even though we have some super strong convictions on important issues, if you really stop and think about it, as convicted as you may be about any of that stuff, Friends, honestly, we have to humble ourselves and recognize it's just ignorant and arrogant for us to make just proclamations like that. Humility is the gift that comes along and says, I don't presume to be the smartest person in every room. I'm not the arbiter of all truth and justice in the world. I don't, I don't presume that I have a corner on intelligence. So if you have any questions about anything, ask me because I'm sort of fount of all wisdom and knowledge. Instead, I can be humble enough to recognize that, you know, everyone comes to their perspectives and their opinions and their ideas and their stances on politics and a lot of other things as a result of this sort of complex array of personal background and experiences and influences that we've had all through our lives. Things things like whether you grew up in the city or the country, your race, your ethnicity, how much money your parents made, whether you had good or bad childhood, or, or just a thousand other things that have shaped the way you think and feel about so many things. And then you recognize, I'm the result of a lot complex array, and so is everyone else a result of theirs. And the ability to remember that and to appreciate the fact that people usually have really solid reasons 
even though you may disagree with them, or they may be different than yours, for landing where they did. It's a reminder that we're finite human beings. None of us is all-knowing as much as we like to think we are, as much as we like to assume that our opinions are actually sort of tantamount to fact. 1 Corinthians 13 says, we're all looking through a glass darkly. It's a reference to the old mirrors in the old days in the Bible times where you'd look and you could kind of make it out, but not really. That's how all of us as human beings are looking at reality, doing the best we can. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, it's like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. Now, one day, God is going to enable you to see everything with perfect clarity, but not yet. All that I know now is, everybody, I wish you could say it with me, partial and incomplete partial and incomplete. The Bible reminds us you don't know everything, and that should humble us. You know, a pastor friend was was telling me just this week that he's never been more exhausted in ministry. The COVID stuff and everything he's trying to do, he says, I've never, I think part of it is I've never disappointed so many people all at the same time, even with the same decision. And he says, I think a lot of it is because everyone seems to have such bold confidence about what should be done. Everyone seems to know exactly what to do about how to handle the virus and what schools should be doing and what businesses in the NFL and churches should be doing. And if you don't fit into their narrow lane, they're just done with you. Everybody seems to be extraordinarily confident and extremely opinionated. Those are fancy words for proud. We ought to get up out of bed every morning and quote that Bible verse, my knowledge is partial and incomplete, and so is everyone else's. So I always want to say to people, if you're a Christ follower, man, do your homework on the issues and don't be afraid to come to your firm convictions, but, and also do good homework. Look at your sources, you know, rattling around in the same little echo chamber, listening to the same people that just repeat what you already think. That's not research. Okay. So, but just find your position, but then remember at the end of the day, your knowledge and wisdom is just like everyone else's partial, really smart, godly, devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who study the Bible don't agree with you on a whole bunch of issues. They don't agree with you. You don't agree with them. It's just the way it is. Aren't you glad that you've been able to learn and grow and stretch over the years? Aren't you glad that, you know, you didn't have to sort of know everything at some point, get dialed in and locked, okay, I've arrived, that that we're still in a process, and humility understands that and says, I'm so glad I'm not where I used to be, and I hope I'm not where I'm going to be, and it also grants the possibility that others might need an opportunity to learn and grow and mature as well, and also never forgets that, you know what, maybe I even have something I could learn once in a while. That's humility. It's refreshing and attractive to be around. Because here's the thing. When Christians don't display humility like that, we're just ugly and nobody wants to be around us. This is one of the biggest problems Christianity has in our time. The idea that sometimes Christians come off as being more interested in protecting their truth, especially the ones that seem to a watching world to be ensconced in partisan politics. More interested in that than than listening or hearing out opposing viewpoints or behaving with civility, it puts a, a blemish on our ability to represent Christ in a way that's winsome. Humility helps us to draw other people. You're, you and I are drawn toward humility. We all are. 
You watch an athlete who's cocky and a few kids will think he's cool and follow him, but most people are drawn to that humble athlete who can, you know, do something amazing and, and then give credit to some others and not have it be all about them. And Christ followers, all of our energy and attention should be drawn to Christ, not to ourselves. You don't, you don't always have to change your views to be humble. No, but you might have to change how you think about people who hold opposing views because that will affect how you treat them out of a position of humility rather than pride. It's really important that we get this. If we can't even effectively, like in our small group, have a disagreement on this and figure out how to work through that and hold together, if we can't do it on Facebook or Instagram with other believers who are also walking with Jesus and trying to live out the good news, how can we ever hope to engage someone outside the faith who might have different views without the common bond of Christ who already thinks we hate him? See, this is really, really important stuff. Remember the reason for Jesus' humility, okay? It was to come closer to us, to build the relationship back, to reconcile all of us back to God. That was was why he was humble and lowered himself to earth in the first place. God's heart is humble because God's heart is always about restoring relationship. That's what any relationship takes. Show me, for example, a marriage that'll survive if both sides just dig in and say, you did that or that hurt, and I'm not letting go of that. At some point, if you want to keep the relationship, it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. Someone's going to have to humble themselves and move to the middle. Hearts are going to have to soften. Minds are going to have to change. You got to listen a little and let go of something that really is important to you because you think something else is more important, and that's the relationship. And humility is the only way you'll do that. That's why Jesus had to humble himself. While we were still sinners, we were in the wrong, but he humbled himself and came to us because that's the only way relationships can live. And if you care more about your policy or being right or your politics than you do about people. It's time to humble yourself and get back on track with God's agenda, which is always about restoring and bringing people back to God and to one another. That was the whole point of Jesus' humility. You know, everybody, everybody's so angry these days and yelling about the wrongs and the offenses and things, but somebody somewhere is going to have to humble themselves in order to bring about some reconciliation. I wonder, who do you think that's supposed to be? I think Jesus thinks it's his people. Let me show you another look at this. Here's a scripture that shows us the impact of humility. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, gives us something really concrete to look at if we're interested in following in his steps. It describes Jesus, and it says we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. It says Jesus is empathetic, okay? He really cares about people. He says, instead, we have Jesus as one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Jesus comes to us, and he's like, oh, man, I feel you. I can identify everything you're going through, except for the sin part, the verse says. I'm tracking with you. Hashtag me too, Jesus says. And and what does that mean? That Jesus could empathize and and track and identify in a humble way? Well, it totally changes how we feel about approaching him. 
right? It says we can be reconciled. It says, so therefore, in light of his humility, let us approach God's throne, because it's a throne of grace, with confidence. You can, you can go right up to God as a result of that humility. So then we can finally receive the mercy and the grace to help us in our time of need. That's what humility does. It opens that kind of door. The humility of Jesus, his empathy, his understanding shows us that it's safe to move toward God. And we're not going to be shamed or told how stupid we are or how wrong we are or, or you know, well, you've offended me and it's, I'll think about it. No, 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 no. He empathizes with our weakness, comes humbly, and then we know we can approach. How are you doing in that regard, walking in those steps? How would people around you answer that question? Do you show empathy toward others? That means trying to understand and care about what they care about. Can someone who disagrees with you imagine still approaching you because they know they're going to find a gracious Response? Do people far from you and unlike you, offensive to you, believe that they still might find an understanding ear because of your, your humility? That brother-in-law who just annoys the fire out of you because he just opens his mouth about politics and just sets you off. Or how about, you know, when your kid or someone you love has a different view on marriage or sexuality and just makes you mad or scared? Or when someone makes a remark about Black Lives Matter, a contentious issue in our day, and Whatever they say just kind of makes your skin crawl one way or the other. Or topics like immigration or policing or things that make us feel so angry and make you want to go to your corner, get the people around you like a boxer to tell you to go out there and take your swings and you want to do that. Can you show the humility of Christ? Because when we come out swinging, nobody's going to want to approach you or look to you and your God to find mercy in their time of need and we become part of the problem. And instead, we need to cultivate the same love toward people that Christ shows toward us. Empathetic, humble love that seeks to understand. This is why I want to get real practical with you and just mention to you, I think here's something that we can all do the next time we feel ourselves boiling over, going in a bad direction on social media or whatever. Just something real practical. Listen instead of label. Listen instead of label. Great humility in practice will listen instead of label. Only humble people can really listen. Because to listen, you have to kind of put your focus on another person for a little while. You have to, you have to kind of stop thinking about yourself and demanding, you know, that what your ego wants is the most important thing. When you refuse to do that and you keep talking about you or assuming, you know, you already know what that person's going to say, that's just a function of our pride. So listen instead of Labeling. Labeling, when I label you, you see, I'm, I'm done with you. If I label you, I just assign you to a category, you know, a name, a, a group of people, and we know how all they are. See, I can just stuff you in a little box if I label you. Oh, as soon as I hear enough to know, oh, that's where you fall, then I can be done with you. You're a liberal. You're a legalist. You're one of those Republicans. Oh, you're a Democrat. See, those are labels. You're a Trumpy fundamentalist. You're an evangelical. You're a Biden-loving, tree-hugging, granola-eating, hemp-wearing wacko. You're a conservative ignoramus. You see, all those are so convenient and fun, and they just roll off my lips with surprising ease. Because if I can label you, I'm done with you. But Jesus doesn't call us to be done with each other. He calls us to love not only each other, but our enemies. Seeking not so much to be understood, 
as to understand. James 4 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Then the very next verse links our humility to this. So don't speak evil against each other. When I try to lift myself up in front of you to make myself look good or smart or witty or right, that's my pride. The Bible says instead of lifting myself up in front of you, I'm supposed to humble myself in front of the Lord and let him lift me up in due time. James 1, 19 and 20 reminds us that, you know, we're so conditioned in our time to live in this fast-paced, quick-moving, respond-quickly-get-a-zinger out there right in the moment. Big points in social media and the world for having a quick, sarcastic answer. Sadly, I'm pretty good at that game. But there's a different humble way. Verse 19 and 20 of James 1 says, Be quick to listen, but slow to speak, and then slow to become anger, angry. I think one reason we're supposed to be slow to anger is that, you know, Often we regret it when we speak quickly. It's a stupid answer, not thought through enough. This happened to me recently. There was a post on Instagram. It was about race. And I made a strong statement, and I I commented on it, and I thought I had a good point. Something others didn't seem to be thinking about, and I cared deeply about that issue. So I chimed in and went on. I didn't realize or take time to look at what others were really posting and how it was impacting others. And I didn't really stop to think about how my reply might sound or how it could be taken out of context, especially on social media, where everything is skewed negative and there's so many gut feelings. I just rattled off my response and went on. I was horrified to discover some of my staff came and said, do do you realize how offensive that is, what you said? I was shocked. I was like, what? Are, Are you looking at the same post? We eventually sat down on a Zoom call, and I, I, I had to listen and hear their perspectives. And once I slowed down and I looked at the context, it was like my eyes were opened, and, and I could see how what I said could be so misunderstood, so hurtful and insensitive, and how it had hurt my friends, how it had damaged my name, how it had injured the witness of Christ. And I'm so grateful that the Spirit of Jesus was with me strong enough in that moment that I didn't want to just keep insisting that they didn't understand what I was trying to say and instead could just say, I am so sorry because I didn't see it. I didn't know. I didn't realize it. I didn't reflect. I was quick to speak and slow to listen. Humility is strong and confident like that and it helps you slow down. It helps you step back and not be so defensive and Maybe more of us ought to pray through that filter before we post. I'm going to try to commit to doing that. Friends, you don't need to step into every debate. The world isn't waiting with bated breath for your next political comment, okay? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Now the whole world is back on its axis. No, it's probably okay if you don't say anything. When pride rules your reactions and and, and you feel like you need to respond to every insult, check your spirit because humility can take a poke and walk away. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Thanks, Kenny Rogers. Big part of humility is listening. Slow to speak, whether you're talking about your teenage daughter or, or, or your spouse or a lonely relative or a small group member or, or some political enemy you have. Tell me more. 
Help me understand. I want to listen, not label. Can we just clarify one last thing? Humility isn't losing, okay? Humility is not losing. Jesus demonstrated humility, but he wasn't a loser. It looked like that to a few people. I wonder if it even felt like it to him in a moment or two, but humility is not, humility is not weakness. It's not cowardliness. It's building a bridge and showing love and relationship with the strength of God in your identity. And in our world with such a lack of humility, it's one of the greatest turnoffs and obstacles that people have to the mercy and grace of God. Once in a while, we just need to commit to demonstrating humility. You know, one time I saw this in my living room. I'll never forget that moment. Two very unlikely brothers in Christ became friends. One was a black man who grew up in inner city Baltimore. The other was a white cop who worked the beat downtown Baltimore for many years. Each man had very strong opinions about a lot of things, okay? They were forged deeply as a result of their experiences over a long period of time. Each one of them was capable of throwing some gas on the fire once in a while. But in that small group, as we just kind of gathered over snacks week by week, a relationship developed and a friendship formed and they began to listen and sow seeds of empathy. And in the safety of my living room, they finally heard a different perspective from someone who was no longer a label, but a new friend. It was a great temptation, isn't there, to discredit anything that we haven't experienced ourselves. If it doesn't match my experience, it can't be true. But when you listen to a friend, you, you learn that's not true at all. And that's what happened in my living room. They listened to each other and they got past some of the ignorance and the fear and the stereotypes. And one night, you know, the political tension was super thick. But we all just watched something beautiful happen because they had built this bridge of relationship and that held up on the trusses of trust and it could finally hold some of the weight of truth. And they said some really important things to each other and they humbled themselves and listened and showed respect. And they knew that a harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. And they did that. They were humble. They were civil. They remembered who they were and we watched as a black man and a white cop hugged it out in my living room, as if Christ was breaking down the dividing wall of hostility right before our tear-filled eyes. And their embrace is a picture of what's supposed to happen when we demonstrate humility. And it's a picture of what's supposed to happen, not just in my living room, but your dining room, your, your chat rooms that you're in, your break rooms at work when politics comes up and we humble ourselves and slow down and listen, don't label, and build bridges of relationship on the trusses of truth, strong enough to carry the weight of, of truth and trust, beautiful things can happen. And then as people see our empathy and know we're the kind of people that are approachable, we're going to see a lot more than winning political arguments. We're going to see people drawn to Jesus Christ and turns out that's a whole lot more important than winning an argument. God bless you.